0: On today's show, compelled speech goes to the Supreme Court, Arizona has a Senate race, and how much cotton candy can the Today Show take? That and more, coming up. This is Standing Up for History.
1: Ask not what your country can do for you.
0: With your host, Issa Shake.
1: Mr. Gorbachev, tear
0: down this wall.
1: At this defining moment, change has come to America. And we will make America great
0: Welcome to the historic, the record-shattering first episode of Standing Athwart History. And since it's our first episode, I'd like to talk about the name of the show. It comes from November 19th, 1955. Um, In National Review's mission statement, William F. Buckley Jr. wrote of his magazine, It stands athwart history yelling stop at a time when no one is inclined to do so or to have much patience with those who so urge it. And it is a moment. When history needs to be told to stop. There are ideas that are dangerously prevalent. Facts are only valued when they support people's feelings. On this program I hope to shake out the spin and bring the facts that matter. We begin today with some news stories. For the second time this term the Supreme Court is considering whether the government can compel Americans to express or support ideas they find unacceptable. The first case was a star of conversations nationwide. Masterpiece Cake Shop v. Colorado Civil Rights was a case involving a baker who refused to make a custom wedding cake for two men. The case involved whether the state of Colorado could force him to make the cake. The baker, Jack Phillips, and Alliance Defending Freedom Attorney, Kristen Wagoner, argued that this was the government forcing a business to express a message. They said that that was compelled speech and against the free speech rights enshrined in the First Amendment. The second case, National Institute of Family Advocates, NIFLA versus Becerra, has almost entirely escaped public attention. It involves California's so-called FACT Act, a law that requires pro-life crisis pregnancy centers to prominently place a notice informing clients that California offers low-cost and even free abortions to women who qualify, and providing them a phone number that grants quick access to abortion clients. This is unquestionably about compelled speech. California is requiring pro-life professionals, people who've dedicated their lives to protecting the unborn by offering pregnant mothers alternatives to abortion, to advertise state-sponsored abortions. California is making this demand even though it has ample opportunity to advertise state services without forcing pro-life citizens to do so. The state can rent billboard space on the very streets where crisis pregnancy centers are located. It can hand out leaflets on the sidewalk. It can advertise on television and the radio. It can advertise on the internet or social media. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has held that the FACT Act is constitutional. Its decision carved out an exception to the First Amendment for what it calls professional speech and ruled that the state had much greater leeway in regulating, for example, doctor-patient communication. There are circumstances when such regulation is appropriate. Doctors typically must explain the risks of medical procedures, for example and a patient must give informed consent before being subjected to any course of treatment. There's nothing uniquely professional about the state's mandated advertisement. It's simply the state's speech forced into a private professional setting. If the Ninth Circuit's reasoning holds, professionals who have dedicated their lives to particular religious, cultural, or political causes could see their offices taken control of by the state for alternative expression, their messages undermined by state-mandated disclosures. NIFLA should win its case in the Supreme Court. It doesn't matter w- whether you're pro-choice or pro-life. The state shouldn't force cl- clinics to do this. And the court has already ruled that the state can't force citizens to transform their private property into a billboard for the state's ideological message. The case was Woolley versus Maynard, and the issue was whether c- citizens of New Hampshire could be required to drive with license plates sporting the state's motto, live free or die. The First Amendment has stood as a firewall against state efforts to compel speech. Hopefully, it will continue to. We turn now to the 2018 midterm elections in Arizona. Republican Senator Jeff Flake's announcement in October of last year triggered a hot primary election to burst into flames. Kelly Ward, an osteopathic physician who was already running as a Trump-friendly opponent to the longtime Trump critic Flake, was joined by Sheriff Joe Arpaio arpaio was the infamous sheriff in maricopa county the eighty five year old was presidentially pardoned after he was found guilty of defying a federal court's order to stop ethnic profiling of latinos the two trump-like republicans are joined by the establishment candidate representative martha McSally, a congresswoman who is running on her history of being the first woman to be an air force combat pilot all three candidates are running as supporters of the president Arizona, a red state with an adventurous electorate, could be part of a blue wave and elect a Democrat to the Senate the first time since 1988. The likely nominee of the Democratic Party is Representative Kirsten Cinema, a progressive-turned-centrist who is running on the government's ability to help people. Republicans don't know who will be chosen as their nominee in late August. Experts are warning against Warden or Arpaio, saying they may cause cinema to win. They cite Roy Moore's loss in Alabama. I don't buy this because it wasn't fringe ideas that made more lose, but his history of horrific personal behavior. However, Republicans are treading on historically thin ice across the country in these midterms. For the second time in two and a half weeks, the government shut down at midnight on February 8th. Democratic concerns over immigration and some Republicans' concerns over the deficit helped close the government for a little over six hours. Sugman Kim and Rachel Bade wrote in Politico, quote, Rand Paul and Nancy Pelosi have virtually nothing in common. But on Thursday night, the conservative Kentucky firebrand and San Francisco Democratic leader teamed up to push Washington into what Capitol Hill dwellers are calling the dumbest shutdown fight ever. In sense that a bipartisan budget deal would balloon the national debt, Paul delayed a roll call on a long-term budget agreement until after the midnight deadline to fund the government. And indeed, many on Capitol Hill in both parties thought the shutdown was dumb. A Senate aide saying, quote, This is the stupidest thing to happen to Congress in three weeks. This is even more stupid than the name of the new Kardashian baby. Stormy with an eye. This is dumber than a screen door on a submarine. This is even stupider than the kid who didn't recognize Justin Timberlake at the Super Bowl. But Rand Paul brought up serious concerns about the deficit.
1: One of the things this bill does is it's going to add $500 billion in spending over a two-year period. This bill increases spending 21%. Does that sound like a large amount? Anybody at home getting a bonus or an increase in your paycheck of 21%? And yet your government's going to spend 21% more without really having a full debate, without having amendments. I want people to feel uncomfortable. I want them to have to answer people at home who said, how come you were against President Obama's deficits, and then how come you're for Republican deficits? Isn't that the very definition of intellectual dishonesty? If you were against President Obama's deficits and now you're for the Republican deficits, isn't that the very definition of hypocrisy?
0: What this shutdown debacle shows is that neither party really cares about the deficit. It's just something that the minority whines about. That's sad. We now turn to the cover story. Six years ago, CBS launched a new morning show. Good morning. It is Monday, January 9th,
1: 2012. Welcome to the debut of CBS This Morning, here in Studio 57 at the CBS Broadcast Center. I'm Charlie Rose.
0: Hosted by the trio of Gail King, Charlie Rose, and Erica Hill, the program promised to stay away from forced banter, live audiences, and all over light-hearted, fun-time barf. The show did stick to that idea, and devoted its program to hard news and analysis. Since launching, CBS This Morning has increased CBS's audience in the time period by 44%, or 1.01 million viewers. While NBC's Today lost 15% of its total audience, and ABC's Good Morning America has plunged 12%. As of November 20, 2017, only Gayle King remained as one of the original co-hosts. In its first year, Hill was replaced by the extremely capable Nora O'Donnell and last year, Charlie Rose was pushed out after sexual harassment allegations against him surfaced in a Washington Post report.
1: We're gonna begin with news affecting all of us at this broadcast and this network. CBS News has suspended our co-host Charlie Rose over allegations of sexual misconduct.
0: When CBS This Morning returned after the night that Rose was suspended, he was fired soon after, co-hosts King and O'Donnell were visibly distressed, but covered the story nevertheless.
1: This is a moment that demands a frank and honest assessment about where we stand and more generally the safety of women. Let me be very clear, there is no excuse for this alleged behavior. It is systematic and pervasive, and I've been doing a lot of listening, and I'm going to continue to do that.
0: That was November 21st. On November 29th, Savannah Guthrie opened the Today broadcast with news of Matt Lauer's firing by NBC News.
1: And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. And Hoda's here with me at this morning because this is a sad morning here at Today and at NBC News. Just moments ago, NBC News Chairman Andy Lack sent the following note to our organization. Dear colleagues, on Monday night, we received a detailed complaint from a colleague about inappropriate sexual behavior in the workplace by Matt Lauer. And we just learned this moments ago, just this morning. As I'm sure you can imagine, we are devastated. And we are still processing all of this.
0: Within two weeks, both CBS and NBC lost their Central Morning Show host, one of whom, Matt Lauer, had hosted the show for more than 20 years. Where the shows will go can be defined by their choices for replacements. On January 9th, CBS announced that Face the Nation moderator and former Slate magazine writer, John Dickerson, would join the show.
1: Welcome to CBS This Morning. I'm Nora O'Donnell with Gail King. And look who else is here. What's your name? What's your name is? I'm a (laughs) transfer student here. (laughs) Welcome to the new school, John. Although it's not so new, I love what you said yesterday, or Nora, that it's a a new day. Yeah, I said this is a new beginning with with an old old friend. friend. Well, I'm really happy to be here for the new beginning. So thanks for welcoming me. Is this your
0: excited face? Because we are very excited that you're here at the table.
1: I'm working on my various faces. I'm very excited inside. I've got to calibrate for my excited face for the public.
0: This was a great move. Dickerson has long been a hard-news reporter, covering politics and giving great analysis. He has interviewed policymakers such as President Trump and President Obama. Dickerson has hosted CBS's Sunday public affairs show, Face the Nation, since 2015, when longtime anchor Bob Schieffer retired. His mother was Nancy Dickerson, CBS News' first female correspondent and an associate producer on the first broadcast of Face the Nation in 1954. The Today Show went in a different direction. The direction, many say, that it has been heading towards for years.
1: And this is Today. What? (laughs) We've got some really exciting news to share about us. And here it is. Today, Tuesday, January 2nd, 2018. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey. Live
0: from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza.
1: And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. It's 2018, and we are kicking off the year right because Hoda is officially the co-anchor of today.
0: Its current host, Savannah Guthrie, is an admirable host, serving as NBC's legal and White House correspondent before anchoring today. And I have nothing against Matt Lauer's replacement, Hoda Kotb, but she is not the same as Dickerson. Hoda is a skilled television personality, but she's known for goofing off with her on-screen partner, Kathy Lee Gifford. In addition to that, Cotby has limited serious interview credentials. As John Ziegler of Mediaite put it, this choice will forever move the Today Show, which was already trending in that direction for the sake of ratings, from what was once a very legitimate news program to being seen as just a cotton candy gabfest. fest. TV executives have made their choice about where they want morning television to go. CBS has chosen to wage a real news campaign, whereas NBC has chosen to increase entertainment. CBS is choosing the right path. For now. These days it seems like we are reliant on the internet for everything. I use Google to learn pronunciations of words for this piece. With the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang imminent, people from around the globe are collecting in South Korea for the occasion. Among those are chefs for the various nations. Surely keeping your country's Olympic athletes with their famously voracious appetites Well-fed throughout the games is no easy feat. With all these people come language barriers, and that's where we go back to the internet. Chefs who are catering for Norway's team ended up with 15,000, yes, 15,000 eggs after a cracked-up order. The chefs wanted to order eggs from a Korean store. To order, the Norwegians, who don't know Korean, had to use Google Translate. Instead of asking for 1,500, they ended up asking for 15,000. Chef Steele Johansson said, quote, There was no end to the delivery. There's a sunny side up ending. The chefs were able to return 13,500 eggs to the grocer. The food will have some more variety, with items like tacos and salmon on the menu. That's what happens when you scramble in order. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you'll join us next time at Standing Authority History. Until then, have a great day, and don't eat Tide Pods. Bye, I gotta get out of this chicken costume.